Welcome back to Crimes from the East, your Desi True Crime podcast. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is a uh, bird lover, Alex. <laughs> it's like one of those things you don't know it, but when you see it, what is it? You can't define it, but you know it when you see it. That's me as a bird lover. What do you mean? <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. What are you talking about? It doesn't make sense to me either, actually. Just what are you that saying, I, Alex? I didn't realize that I was a bird lover until I heard about bird massacres. And then I oh. realized, oh, I, I care about birds. You know, birds and fish, I always sort of felt like, ah. <laughs> I just assumed that they were, they were just like... <laughs> Squawky meat on two legs. I don't know what to say. I care about birds. <laughs> you know, like a cat, you can cuddle. But I guess you can cuddle with a bird, too. Birds have feelings. That's what I'm trying to say. Birds have feelings, and I have feelings, and I feel for birds. Okay, good. Sensitive. <laughs> You're the spitting image of Gaia herself. Wow. Okay, I'm just kidding. But why? what are we talking about? We haven't even told people what we're talking about. Hello, this is part two of our episode on Moses and Leela. And we'll talk about the case in a little bit. But let's just go ahead and uh, find out what we did in the week before, Alex. Anything interesting happen? Well, I'm back in France and it's cold. And I thought it was really cold until you told me about how you are in a winter wonderland of snow and ice and misery. And now I feel slightly warmer. So that's nice for me, I guess. I'm glad that my misery is providing you some comfort, Alex. It's Thank nice. Thank you. That's nice. <laughs> it warms me. <laughs> my icy mess is warming your heart. Nice. Well, I've had a bit of a busy day today. I wasn't even sure we'd be able to record because I had to go do story time at my kid's preschool today. And I was so nervous. I was so stressed out. It felt like a job interview almost. I was like, oh, my God, I have to go read a storybook in front of like 15 kids, 15, like three, four, five-year-olds. It's scary. Yeah. I think I'm not good with kids. But I'm I'm a good performer, so I think I did a good job reading it out there. But I was like, do they like it? Or are they like, ah, <laughs> oh, you suck. Refund! You should make this like a regular, a regular exercise in performance as like practice for the podcast. Or vice versa. I should make this my like actual job. <laughs> like professional preschool story time performer. You can get some costumes. <laughs> Just get crazy with it. Design soundtracks for your stories. And at the end, be I'll lit. be like, like and subscribe. And, uh, <laughs> here's my Patreon, kids. Pay me with your milk money. <laughs> if they don't like it, then you know it's a flop. Kids are brutally honest. Actually, that's the only part that I felt good about, that at least they'll be honest. That's true. How are you received? They said they liked it. They said they had fun. I'm like, okay, good. That's probably true. <laughs> was Lucci in the class? That was the class you were reading to, right? Her class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was right there. She's like, oh, it's my mama. I was like, hey, do you want to introduce me to your friends? And she's like, no. No. She already knows. <laughs> no. So speaking of birds and love of nature and animals, um, I do have one little 
interesting piece of news that I could share with the world. For the last year, I've been part of a group that has been developing an AI slash drone technology to help find and rescue sea turtles Mm. that come to shore to nest and are threatened by poachers and climate change. And a lot of species are facing either not extinction, but are highly endangered. So our group has recently in the last two weeks become an official like nonprofit organization. And we've we've been working with a an organization in Mexico to test out the the technology and they've invited us to come and start doing some trials. So that's happening wow. in February because it's turtle season right now. Wow, that's so interesting, Alex. What's the name? It's called Dronde Están Las Tortugas, which in Spanish so cute. is a wordplay for where are the turtles, but with drone in the title. Did you come up with this? This sounds like very punny. <laughs> I wish. Birds of a feather flock together in the pun world, I guess. Nice. I like it. And what a cool application of... Um, drone technology right like because we think of drones as something for fun something to spy on your neighbors and like attack innocent people all over the world for (laughs) once it's being used for conservation purposes which is amazing yeah hopefully that is what we'll have at the end of this process is something that can be applied to like different animals too yeah Well, if anyone's interested in, like, learning about the project or, you know, wants to participate or support, we have a website. Maybe we can, like, throw that into a link somewhere. But, like, support our podcast first and then support (laughs) this project. Support all of the good things that are happening. Support whatever your heart speaks to. Also that. So big update on my side, like I finally, I finally went back to Zelda Breath of the Wild and (laughs) killed the final boss. We should have headlined with this news. (laughs) Breaking news. Breaking news. (laughs) I know this is garbage news and who gives a shit what I do in a video game. It felt cathartic to me because I'd been avoiding this for like two years. It was very stressful. Like, my heart rate was up. I had a pounding headache. Yeah. It was like going to war, but I was like, I'm going to do this. It took me 20 minutes, but I did it. I feel the success. I feel the joy. If I can kill Ganon, I can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Damn straight. I'm invincible. Um. (laughs) Bad news, I still haven't killed the Assassin's Creed final boss. I ditched that one too. It's Medusa. I can't kill her. She's going to turn you into stone, right? Yep. She's just shooting me with all these multiple snake heads, turning me into stone. I just keep dying. I was like, I'm out. Go to hell, Medusa. Well, maybe now that you've got one boss under your belt, you're ready. I I need some time. I'll try this in 2024, I think. (laughs) Medusa scheduled. Medusa slaying scheduled for 2024. One year is enough for one. I've had enough stress with that one. (laughs) Um, Okay. 
that's a lot of banter, I believe. Incessant um, banter. It it is incessant. Yeah, that was 15, 15 minutes of it. I think we we covered it all. I'll edit it down. <laughs> I'll d- edit it down a little bit. You know, sometimes we like to talk. What can I say? <laughs> I've already said too much. So let's get back to our case. Can you remind me where we left off a little bit? We can do a little birdie recap of the last episode. But before that, Alex, I heard you have some bird trivia or bird. What is it called? What, what were you saying? Some bird facts. Bird facts. This better be good. I was feeling bad for how many birds died that all of these birds died pretty horrible death. But, um, I mean, just to put it into perspective, in the continental United States alone, between 1.4 billion and 3.7 billion birds are killed by cats annually. So the real bird murderers... Cats. Or the kitty cats. Savage. Savage killers. Yeah, yeah. They're a pest, ultimately. (laughs) What's your other bird fact? Um, the seagulls in the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds, were fed a mixture of wheat and whiskey so that they would stand around and not fly too much because they were drunk. Wow, those birds had a party. Hitchcock like threw them a cool little uh, mixer there. Like, yeah. Uh, cigars yeah. and whiskey. What do you call it? Like a blind pig. Blind pig? What? Blind pig is what you call those secret bars. What are those things? Speakeasy. Speakeasy, yeah. He threw them kind of like a speakeasy yeah. little mixer. Yeah. Blind pig. Like, Lucky birds. Lucky birds. That's a fun little uh, nugget of news, Alex. Cool. So someone who suffers from anatidephobia believes that somewhere, somehow, a duck or goose is constantly watching them. <laughs> what? there are people like this they gave this condition a name which means there are enough people who believe this the word anatide phobia is from the greek word anatide which means ducks geese or other waterfowls and phobos is greek for fear who are these people and i want to know like what is the basis of their fear did what happened to them I mean, I understand being afraid of things. Like, I have a fear of monkeys because a monkey slapped me when I was young. What happened to these people? What did the duck do? What did the goose do? Geese are evil, so. They're very aggressive. They're aggressive birds. But they're watching them, like, spying on them, like, <laughs> watching them at all times. <laughs> like, through the window. They've got remote control of their desktops and they're like scanning their emails and going like, I have his passwords. All right. That's it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's it for bird talk. We've had enough bird talk. Uh, Let's do a little recap. Today we were continuing on with the case of Moses and Lilawati, who were two Indo-Guyanese individuals that moved to the U.S. to set up a bird business where they would import birds from their family in Guyana, exotic birds, mind you. So parrots, macaws, um, toucans, and even other small reptiles like turtles and um, snakes and such. And then they would sell them to pet stores in America. 
after the laws changed, they could no longer import animals. So they started a bird breeding facility in Florida in 1987. Things were going great. They hired two ranch hands to help with their daily activities. Both of these individuals who they hired, so one was Daljeet Hari Gobin, and the other was Felix Roland Ayung. Both of them also went missing along with Moses and Lilavati one day in June 1994. Daljeet Hari Gobin was actually caught in the family van just days after everyone's disappeared apparently and the cops let him go because he showed them the license of Moses and they couldn't tell the difference between two brown men so they thought that was Moses they're like oh sure you look like him and they let him go and the cops were looking for Daljeet Harigobin because they suspected that he was a witness in Moses and Lilawati's disappearance. So today we'll talk more about these people and some of the strange occurrences that uh, happened around the disappearance in 1994. All right, let's start with Dirty Harry. <laughs> now the mysterious vanishing ranch hand Daljeet Hari Gobin he wasn't some sweet and innocent hard worker going by what's been written about him. I personally don't know him, so I can't say maybe he was sweet and innocent, but whatever's written about him doesn't seem to paint him in that light. Okay. He had some shady dealings in his past, petty crimes mostly. And about a year before the disappearances of Moses and Leela, in early 1993, police were called to the Lal's ranch to deal with Harry. He was very upset and he had threatened to harm himself because Leelawati, who was Moses' aunt and was living there helping to breed the birds, she was a young, beautiful young woman. She had rejected his advances every single time. She was like, no, I'm not interested in you, buddy. Get lost. Yeah. So like any dejected roadside Romeo, he was... In the ditch. He claimed to be in love with her. But she wanted nothing to do with him. So he was like, I'm just going to off myself. I'm going to take my own life. Wow. Okay. This is a tough situation. But they all apparently moved on from this. It's going to make for a nice and awkward workplace. Yeah, I don't know how they moved on from this. This is not something you move on from. Yeah. In the sense, if you're now still going to continue to see that person every single day, how do you move on from this? I don't know. I would not. Then in October of 1993, so just a few months later, Harry had fled in the family van, stealing $29,000 from Moses. Somehow, the family managed to track him down. And when he reached New York, Moses had the cops catch him. Now, Harry begged Moses to drop the charges, which he did because Harry agreed to return the remaining $26,000 in cash. He also agreed to let Harry continue to work on the ranch. Why, Moses? Why? Like, what grip does this loser Harry have on Moses and his family? I don't get it. 
It makes me think that he had some, like, he had some knowledge, or maybe he was aware that they were doing illegal activities, so they couldn't get rid of him, even though he was kind of a POS. Both of these incidents are major enough that you would definitely either put the guy in jail or never want to see him again. Right. It's just a liability business and a personal disaster. Yeah. You're bang on the money, Alex. He's got something on them. He's involved in something that they are afraid to bring to light. They are afraid that will be discovered. And that's why they're kind of letting him hang on. There's definitely like a whole understory to this story that I guess we'll probably never find out unless unless this becomes a resolved mystery. Unless the family opens up, if they even knew about this, because this is just... Moses and Leela and these two in Florida, right? We don't know yeah. if, if their extended family in Guyana knew about all, all of this or not. Now, going by the way most Desi families and family businesses operate, mm-hmm. I would assume the family does know a little bit more. I don't know if they did tell the investigators what they knew or not. Maybe at that point they thought Moses and Leela were still alive and might be found and maybe they didn't want them to get into trouble. Right. Yeah, we don't we don't really know. The motives for the disappearance of Moses and Lilawati were baffling. The Lal family was absolutely certain that they were being held against their will or were already dead because there was no way those two would ever have abandoned so many birds and animals for so long as nature lovers or because they were really, really big financial assets. Now, there were many crazy speculations that the Lals ran away to avoid dangerous loan sharks, that they were captured by smugglers, etc., etc. Now, the mom, uh, Moses' mom, Mahadi Lal, she rubbished the loan claims. She said their family was able to financially support any request that Moses had put for money if they ever needed it. Now, yeah. a single bird such as the South American blue and gold macaw which is now an endangered species, can fetch as much as $1,200 to $2,000 at a pet store. This is back in 1994. Okay, yeah. Scarlet macaws went for about 1500 and a hyacinth macaw found only in Brazil sells for $8,000. Oh my God, I just Googled them. They are beautiful. And they can live up to 50 years in the wild. Oh, hyacinth macaw. This is the bird featured in the movie Rio, isn't it? Well, that would make sense. It's a very like indigo, purple, blue color with yellow. Gorgeous. The bird business is no side hustle. It is big bucks, big money. Seriously, yeah. 8K. It's nuts. I wish I was worth that much. I'm just worth a few goats. Goats only. Goats Goat only. currency only. Yeah. Rumors in the bird breeding community was that Moses had been selling off a lot of birds right before he disappeared. And he may have had close to $100,000 cash at home. Seems like a good opportunity for thieves to strike. An inside job, perhaps, from a known petty criminal. Wink, 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 wink. Mm. I won't say who, but you can guess. 
Um, also, I want to know how these rumors came about. How do people know all this? <laughs> how do people know he may have had $100,000 cash at home? Which means they maybe were dealing with them, buying the birds in mm -hmm. black under the table. Black market birds. But why was he doing that? Why was he selling off all the birds? Were they done with their business? Was he trying to diversify like he was done with so many birds? Maybe he wanted to do reptiles now. So initially, from what I read, their plan was to do this for five years, make enough money, and then go back to Guyana with mm. whatever they made in the U.S. So they didn't seem to want to stay on in America like for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Which makes sense if you think about the way that they were living, right? They were hyper-focused on their business and nothing else. They did nothing mm -hmm. else. They had no social life. They weren't partying, making friends, dating, blah, 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 inside of their community in Florida. They really weren't assimilating or integrating at all because they had the eye on the prize. They had to yeah. make as much money in those five years and go back to Guyana, back, back home. Maybe this is like a Breaking Bad scenario. What do you mean? birds started doing lines what are you talking about where <laughs> no, they just had to like you know quick and dirty make a lot of money for some specific reason yeah i wonder what that reason was again this is something his family would know about i don't think he did this all on his own his family would know why he was doing that why he was selling off all these birds the reason why he was selling them is not publicly available right so either they, they never reported it to the cops or the cops never released that information. Mm. Or these could be just baseless rumors. Here's a tidbit that doesn't paint Moses in the best light. He had $28,000 of unpaid import fees that he had to pay up to the government. He was cutting corners and doing some illegal stuff, it appears. Like he didn't buy the license yeah. to breed and sell birds. He only had the license to import them. Did that leave the possibility open that Moses indulged in more serious shady business like smuggling birds or selling them off the books? Possible. We're just speculating here. It's possible. If he was already doing $28,000 worth of tax evasion, maybe mm -hmm. he was doing more serious financial crimes. Or maybe he was smuggling birds. How do we know? We don't know. In any case, none of that justifies what may have happened to them. Okay, these are some crimes against the IRS in the U.S. <laughs> that doesn't mean you deserve to disappear or have any harm done to you. I mean, there's just a lot of question marks and not many answers. Do you think he disappeared to evade taxes? Did he disappear to evade taxes? Did he disappear because he was up to... Even worse than tax evasion, as you said. Was he kidnapped because he was involved in some something that he like couldn't keep up with? Like that whole trying to make a bunch of money real fast in five years. Maybe they have debts that we didn't know about. Who knows? Yeah. It just doesn't sound like they were on the on the level entirely. So when investigators had searched the home, they literally found nothing. Mattress, few chairs, a guitar, and some magazines. There was nothing Ooh. else in the home for them. Not even couches or carpets. Okay, there are some pictures of this on the internet. I will try to post them on Instagram. It is a very sad image that 
I get in my mind of the way they were living. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe they didn't care. They were like, we're making the money. We're doing what we came to do. So they were happy. They were probably content about it. But I mean, it's weird. Like they they were sleeping on mattresses on the floor and he had like 100,000 cash at home. He had 30,000 cash that Harry stole from him. It sounds like they're living like a weird bird fugitive life. I don't know. <laughs> Like, they made their own sweatshop. <laughs> exactly. Like, they didn't, even if they were trying to make a lot of money and not, like, waste money on frivolous things, they could have bought, like, a couch. A couch? Right? Yeah. And and the guitar is an interesting, like, of all the, the possessions to have, a guitar. They come from the islands. They come from, uh, not the islands. They come from South America. Music is part of life, right? It's very integral to your days. But wouldn't it be nice to play the guitar on a, on a nice chair? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm just going to stand here in the corner next to my mattress and play you a beautiful tune. Yeah. It is, it is odd. Leela's room was full of baby birds that she took care of 24-7. So again, like it shows you what their priorities were. Now, here are the strange events that occurred during that time that might help you form a theory or it might not because so far everything's confusing and up in the air. But okay, strangely on June 9th, which is five days after the disappearance, Mm -hmm. the day that Harry was out on bail from his traffic stop arrest, Mm -hmm. Howard Warren, the famous aviarist, he received a consultation call from a New York bird broker who was inquiring about the saleability of hawk-headed parrots, orange-winged Amazons, and African gray parrots. Okay, someone called him to consult with him. Like, can I sell these birds? Are they popular? How much money can I get for them? Because he's a famous aviarist in the United States, he would be the go-to guy to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. Now, Warren knew instinctively that these must have belonged to Moses Lal, as he was the main importer and breeder of these birds. Okay. That's a lead. Yeah. Like, these bird people, they know exactly who does what, who has what bird, and who to go to, right? He questioned the broker about where he got them from. And eventually, the broker admitted that they had been contacted by an African reptile dealer trying to sell these birds to them. Um, he told them that the birds indeed belonged to Moses Lal and were given to them by Moses when a reptile deal fell through. That sounds sus. Yeah. Moses had money. Maybe not a lot, but he had enough money. He wouldn't just give away Birds. birds. Who was this African reptile dealer? Maybe he only deals in bird currency the way we only deal in goat currency. Now, the term African reptile dealer has come up before when we talked about one of the other ranch hands, Roland Felix Ayum, whose brother was a reptile, de- African reptile dealer. Mm-hmm. Felix was conveniently in New York and said that he had quit his job two weeks before the disappearance. Mm-hmm. And then the the broker is from New York. Is that a coincidence? On June 18, which is a couple of weeks after the ranchers went missing, a fisherman discovered a hundred dead Congo greys or African grey parrots in a field in western 
Palm Beach County in Florida. Now, the birds were worth approximately $500 a piece at that time. They wore bands identifying them as the property of Malabar Aviary, which is Lal's company. Now, that's $500 a bird. There are 100 birds. That's... 50K? $50,000 worth of birds. Damn. That died, that were found dead in a field. Weird. Super weird. Very spooky. It sounds a bit like um, someone was trying to get rid of evidence or did they do bird autopsies? They just died of starvation because they were left in cages. So they were dead and then dumped? Oh, I don't know that. Well, but probably. something to think about too. Like, why were the birds removed from the ranch, right? First off, they would have been at the ranch, mm-hmm. but they weren't. Mm-hmm. They were found in a field. They must have died in transit, I guess is what I was in my own brain trying to work towards as an idea. They must have died in transit because why would you transport a bunch of dead birds when you already have like, what, a couple thousand other dead birds that you're not trying to remove at the ranch? So there are a couple of possibilities here. One being someone had stolen the birds after the fact, after they knew that no one's at the ranch. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. Try mm-hmm. to steal them. Try to sell them. But then people know, right, who belongs to who, what bird belongs to which ranch. So maybe no one agreed to buy them. Also, isn't it kind of weird that, like, whoever did this left the tags? Yeah. On the birds? They were either just uncaring or stupid. I don't know. One of the two. That's just so weird. <laughs> what is this crime? Very strange. And the other option is that someone someone who knew about the disappearance knew that maybe Moses and Leelawati would not be interfering or would not be there to save these birds because they had done something to Moses and Leela, mm-hmm. had taken the birds to sell them to make $50,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And then because nobody agreed to buy them, they dumped them. So their plan failed. Yeah. Third option, which is, again, wild speculation. This is just, it. nothing about this has to be true. I'm just speculating. Maybe they were still importing birds from outside through smugglers. Hmm. And these were the birds that were delivered to them but never picked up because Moses and Leelawati went missing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Totally. Right? But were they found in cages? Do we know? The news article doesn't say. So I don't know exactly in what condition or state they were found. But they had the tag. Right. That way they could claim it. Say, oh, oh, these are our birds. Mm -hmm. So whoever dumped them there, like whichever smuggler dumped them there, intended for them to go to the right ranch. That's just something I thought of. It makes you think, like, there's a bird smuggling underground, all of the other smuggling going on, weird transactions happening in random fields. Look at all the money involved. It's big bucks. It's seedy. The U.S. Department of Agriculture estimates that more than 25,000 birds were smuggled into the country every year. This is back in 1994. I don't know if the numbers have gone up or down. And after watching Tiger King, I'm more convinced there are like probably 100,000 birds smuggled today. If you have people buying tigers, for sure you have people buying rare, endangered, and 
almost extinct exotic birds for sure. People have too much money and not enough sense or respect for nature. Now Howard Warren said legitimate bird breeders compete with smugglers. He also said that some breeders and smugglers get together to sell illegal birds through the legal market. Smugglers will bring them in and then the breeding companies will just position them as birds that they bred in America. Yeah, there's like literally no way to know. Boren was propositioned by smugglers himself and he declined offers to set up fronts for smuggling operations. He said that it is possible that the laws were approached as well. Mm-hmm. Now, did they agree to do that with some smugglers or did their refusal to smuggle birds end badly for them? I mean, they would probably be the easiest target to exploit and coerce, right? Especially them being Guyanese, right. them not being American citizens. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They would definitely be on the back foot. Yeah. Although they seem to not really care too much. They were <laughs> skirting tax laws and not buying fees. But they knew these are not like grave crimes, right? Like, I'm sure the smugglers are more scary than the Florida fishing game. We can only speculate in the absence of concrete evidence. Years later, Harry Daljeet Hari Gobin, mm-hmm. the ranch hand who went missing after the cops let him free in 1994. Harry was somehow traced by the cops to Jersey City, New Jersey. He was living under the alias Roy Smith. I mean, that's smart. Like Roy Smith, there's probably a million of them. Mm-hmm. And you can be any ethnicity. Very innocuous, for sure. However, when detectives arrived at his workplace to catch him, he had fled just four minutes earlier. Oh, wow. Lucky for him. I think someone someone warned him because he had fled. He fled, which means he knew they were coming. Someone told him. Must be. By then, he had gained a bunch of weight and also went by another alias, the name of Blackie. Oh, wow. Uh, Blackie? What the fuck? <laughs> what kind of name is Blackie? Hey, Blackie. Blackie. It's a very old-fashioned-y sort of racist-y. British, British racist term. Like, our grandparents had a little Cocker Spaniel dog. He was totally black, and his name was Blackie. Blackie. And we also called him Kalu, mm-hmm. which is Blackie in Hindi. <laughs> he was an evil bugger, though. Yeah, he was, uh, he was kind of like Harry, I guess. <laughs> So, yeah, he was still in America. He hadn't really gone anywhere. He was right here. He was right here. Roland Felix Ayum, the other ranch hand, the brother of the African reptile dealer, he was arrested in 1995 for illegally importing pancake tortoises in Miami. Delicious. (laughs) That really made my mouth water because I'm like, pancakes, tortoises. Oh, Oh. wait a minute. Oh. Oh, no. They must be little flatties. He was in jail for a year and then deported back to Africa. And he has not been heard of in the U.S. after that. So I read through some court documents from that case of deportation. And it said that he had already been in jail for a year. And that shows that he doesn't have good faith to stay in the country. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Like they were considering whether they should keep him or deport him. I'm like, just... He committed a crime. Kick him out. Why are you thinking so much about this? (laughs) Yeah. 
it's it's pretty clear if you commit a crime you no longer have a right to be a guest in the country and so we are at an impasse in this case moses and milawati were never found harry and roland are gone so what really happened on the lal ranch on june 4th 1994 it makes no sense that the smugglers took Moses and Leela. Why would they just kidnap them? If they had loans to cover, killing them would do no good. They would rather keep them alive and let them sell more birds to recover the money, right? Maybe that's what they're doing, but from like a compound somewhere. Another sweatshop. Yeah. <laughs> that's why loan sharks break your knees. They don't kill you because they want you to be alive to make the money to pay them. If you're dead, you're no good to them dead. Yeah. End of investment. And also, if Harry loved Leela so much, right? Like he was ready to take his own life because she rejected him. Wouldn't he have reported her kidnapping to the cops? Mm-hmm. Right? He could have done it anonymously if he didn't want to deal with them directly. Like if you really care about someone, you would call. Like you'd call from a payphone and be like, I just saw someone take away the love of my life in a car at gunpoint. I'm very worried. He sounds like his love was not real love. He just wanted her. Who knows? Total speculation. Also, why was he on the run? Why did he run? Yep. Did he just steal from Moses again? Or did he know more about the disappearances? It's never a good look in these situations when you you take off. Well, the Palm Beach Sheriff think that he is guilty of murder. So they legit now think that he's the one who killed them. Okay. It took them a couple of years, but that's the conclusion they've come to. And they definitely want to hear from any of you listeners out there if you have any tips. I don't know. Did you live in Palm Beach, Florida in (laughs) 1994? Did you see this guy, this dirty Harry, do something around town? Did you see him escape in a white van? Did someone show up in a trench coat full of birds saying, hey, you want to buy some birds? <laughs> Did you see someone offloading birds in that area? I don't know. Even if you think it's some weird tip, you should call in. It might help. Now, Harry would be 65 years old today. He is 5 feet 7. He's Indo-Guyanese, so think of a Desi-looking man. And he has a noticeably small right eye. Oh. He has a noticeably smaller right eye. So it's a physical identifier that you can look out for. Interesting. He may lose weight again. He may gain more weight again. He may lose his hair, like diet pink. I don't know. Change his name to something total. He'll be like, I'm whitey now. (laughs) But he'll have that small right eye. eye. So keep a lookout for that now i've done some age progressing on his picture i'll post it on instagram so you can go take a look because the cops didn't do it which is so sad like in so many cases cops will age progress pictures of victims or even perpetrators so that it helps people sending tips Mm -hmm. see no one's working on this case from 1994 especially because the victims are aren't american they're indo-guyanese mm-hmm For some reason, police believe that Harry is now somewhere in the Philadelphia area. He may have had associates or friends and family who live there that they knew of, which is why they think because he has links to Philadelphia, he might be living there today. 
That'd be crazy. He is now considered by the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office to be the prime suspect in Moses and Leela's disappearances. So people in Florida send in tips and people in Philadelphia keep an eye out for this guy with the small eye. <laughs> yeah, that was our case, Alex. What is your um, theory on this? What do you think is most likely to be the case? Um, I'm like in between that they like had to flee or they were moved out of the country that they're alive somewhere paying off a debt or sorting out bird stuff, bird business in a not so above the board manner or they're oh, maybe gone from this world. It's really hard to say because there's just nothing that points in a really obvious direction for anything. It's all just sketchy question marks for me yeah it's very hard to figure out what happened but yeah this is 28 years alex i don't think they're working in that sweatshop anymore that's true if their family doesn't know what happened to them i would say they're probably dead at this point yeah if they haven't like suddenly turned up in guyana like mysteriously maybe they were released by the smugglers they may have paid a ransom who knows is anyone checking up on them? Is anyone reporting on this? Like, did they show up in Guyana? I, I don't know. Yeah. So here's a call to our Guyanese listeners, if we have any. <laughs> First of all, like, I want to hear from you. Tell me, recommend some, like, good Guyanese food and some chutney music. And secondly, did Moses or Leela Wati show up back in Georgetown? I'm sure it would be easy to find them. As we know, Guyana has a very low human population. You can't really hide there. And if they are truly victims of a violent crime, my heart goes out to their family. Like they sent two of their closest, most beloved members to America to better their lives and earn some money. And they surely didn't deserve this kind of an end. And it's sad that their case wasn't pursued more uh, with more seriousness. Although it sounds like they were still following up because... In 2011, if they went to catch this fellow, that means they're still looking at the case. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't like totally... Write it off. Write it off. Yeah. Like, it seems like the FBI was involved at some point. And I'm sure <laughs> the IRS is interested too, because never mess with the, with the IRS. <laughs> oh, yeah. The IRS is going to be the one to find them. Because even if the FBI and Interpol don't like work in your case, the IRS never forgets. What do you think happened? Really? Let us know. And honestly, I I don't know what to recommend for Bollywood Corner today. What could the theme be? Can you think of something, Alex? Just go watch Pixar's Rio or whatever. Whoever made Rio. <laughs> go find some bird reels. Just revel in the joy that is bird. <laughs> go watch The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock. There's got to be mm -hmm. an Indian version of that. No? <laughs> the birds, no. The crows. So I've come up with two recommendations. They're very loosely tied into the theme, but, you know, that's fine. One movie is related to the forest and mysterious stuff that happens in the forest. And the other one is about immigrant life. So, you know, loosely connected to... Well our uh, case today 
Okay, the first one is, it's not a Bollywood movie, but it is made by Meera Nair, who is an Indian-American filmmaker, and she makes such amazing movies. This movie is called Mississippi Masala, and it's an old movie from 1991. I think I've seen it. It's got Denzel Washington, y'all. Looking Come on fine. Now. Come on. Like, I never miss any movie with Denzel in it. He is so hot. And he's a fine actor. So, it's about a family of Indian immigrants who are expelled from Uganda back during the time of, what was that, dictator Idi Amin. And they move to America, they move to Mississippi, and they try to make a life here. And although the parents are having a hard time assimilating with this foreign culture, the daughter is doing just great. And that's what usually happens, right? The kids, Mm -hmm. they do fine. They blend in. Mm -hmm. They adapt. They grow. She starts dating Denzel Washington, which is quite scandalous to the Daisy parents. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh, he's not a good Daisy boy. (laughs) uh, they wanted to arrange her marriage to some nice Indian boy and so yeah this is like a romantic drama it's called Mississippi Masala an excellent movie by Mira Nair the other recommendation for today is a TV series on Netflix it's called Aranyak okay I believe Aranyak means the forest and this TV show has a female lead who's Ravina Tandon. Now she was like a big Bollywood actress back in the day in like the 90s and early 2000s. She did so many like hit movies. But she's made a really good comeback with this TV show. She plays the role of a detective, like a cop up in North India. It is beautiful. The location is so nice. Um, kind of like Uttarakhand. I'm not sure if it's based in Uttarakhand mm. the, uh, like we talked about mm-hmm. in the Skeleton Lake episode. But it's a place like that. I want to go. There are some very mysterious deaths that occur in that town. They find people hanging from the trees. And they think it's the work of a forest demon who's kind of come here to curse the people. And there are some other crimes that occurred in the town and how everything is connected. And she has to kind of solve all of that while also taking care of family drama going on in her home it's a very engaging uh tv show i really enjoyed it so go check it out if you like police procedurals although this is very different it's not like a regular police yeah it sounds uh, a little more thrilling yes and it's got a very spooky ambiance because of that forest demon thing going on (laughs) Um, go watch it. It's called Aranyak. Cool. It's a bit of a whodunit. And it's uh, beautifully shot. Very interesting. Cool. Uh, you have anything else to add, Alex? Um, don't buy birds. Don't buy any animals. Especially if they're endangered, exotic, illegal. Please, please. Like, even if you think you will love and care for them, don't buy them. Because yeah. you're supporting the exploitation of those animals domestic dogs domestic cats these are the only allowed pets <laughs> as per my mandate <laughs> as per alex's mandate no turtles no snakes no rabbits <laughs> you are going to alienate so many people from the show alex no no okay no alex says no i say no adopt 
animals from shelters. That's the best thing. No bears. <laughs> bears. I've seen people adopting bears. No raccoons. I know they're cute, but they're really not supposed to be pets. Hey, I have the perfect uh, pet recommendation. What? Human? Tamagotchis. <laughs> Boyfriends? Boyfriends are good pets, right? Sure. I will try very hard <laughs> to find a boyfriend pet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, You've got a husband pet and a child pet. Yeah, you're all set. Tamagotchi's a good idea, too. Tamagotchi's cool, but the, they do die. So you do really have to take care of them. But then can't you just reset them? I think you can. You just press a button for like 30 seconds. Back to life. Go get Tamagotchi. Leave the macaws and the African greys alone. Alone. Follow, like, rate, subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Are we on other social media at this point? I never bothered to learn how to use Twitter. I don't use Twitter. Me neither. So I don't really do anything there. But I do use Instagram. So if anyone wants to like chat, wants to share their thoughts on a case, suggest something, Instagram is where to go. Or our email. Shoot us an email. Visit the website for deets um, to get some behind the scenes access and the occasional sticker or two. You can become a Patreon supporter. All of that is available on our website at crimesfromtheeast.com. Um, and wherever you're listening to us, if possible, rate, review, give us um, a follow. Five stars. Five stars. And tell your friends, your family, your enemies. Share us with everyone like a virus. Spread us into this world and beyond. Put us into the cyberspace. Actually, we only exist in the cyberspace. <laughs> Stick around and hear us incessantly blab in our next episode of Crimes from the East, your Daisy True Crime podcast with a little masala, masala and spice. spice and no illegal birds. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. Bye. Bye.